1: Good morning, it's Thursday the 14th of September here in London. This is the Bloomberg Day Recruit podcast. I'm Caroline Hepker.
2: And I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today, Goldman Sachs fires several transaction banking execs for compliance lapses.
1: The former Prime Minister Theresa May tells us that Britain should look for ways to compromise with China.
2: And we take a closer look at the $1.5 trillion private credit market and why it's offering a ray of hope to gloomy investment bankers.
1: Let's start with a roundup of our top stories.
2: Goldman Sachs has fired several transaction banking executives over compliance lapses. With more, here's Bloomberg's Chris Pitt. According to a memo seen by Bloomberg, the Wall Street giants sacked a number of senior figures who'd communicated on unauthorised channels and failed to comply with an internal review. In a statement, Goldman Sachs said they wouldn't comment on individual cases, but that they take communications policy seriously and expect all personnel to comply with it. The news comes as financial firms face increasing pressure to police employees' interactions, following a crackdown on the widespread use of WhatsApp and other unauthorised apps. Last year, several banks, including Goldman, were hit with $200 million fines over a failure to monitor and archive work-related messages. In London, I'm Chris Pitt, Bloomberg Radio.
1: Now Citigroup is preparing for a wave of job cuts as the bank's CEO, Jane Fraser, looks to restructure the Wall Street giant. The company will now operate five main businesses and eliminate the three regional chiefs who oversaw operations in about 160 countries. Jane Fraser says that the shake-up will have a big impact on the business. The
0: changes are the most consequential changes to how Citigroup, will be organized and run that we've made in almost 20 years. And what this move enables me to do is not only flatten the organization, but it also enables me to be much more directly involved in making sure that those businesses are performing.
1: Fraser's decision to reorganize the bank will result in a number of job cuts in back office functions. Sources tell us that it doesn't yet have firm targets for how many jobs will be affected.
2: The chip designer Arm has priced its initial public offering at the top end of its range to raise $4.87 billion in the largest listing of the year, Bloomberg's Charlie Pallet reports. It could give a major lift to long-suffering equity markets. The chip designer, which is owned by SoftBank Group, sold 95.5 million American depository shares for $51 apiece. Arm had marketed the shares for $47 to $51 each. At the IPO price, Arm is valued at about $54.5 billion, according to Bloomberg News calculations. The shares will begin trading on NASDAQ under the symbol a-R-M. In New York, Charlie Pellett, Bloomberg Radio.
1: The former Prime Minister, Theresa May, says that Britain needs to find ways to work with China. She told Bloomberg the world's second largest economy can't be ignored.
3: Um, you can't ignore China. Huge economic presence uh, across the world, although the Deputy Prime Minister identified it as the number one state-based threat to our economic security. But it's a huge presence economically, economically, for businesses, but also of course in terms of the, um, the way it has reached out across the world. Sometimes being able to take a position in countries because the West has not been there. We should learn from that.
1: May's words come as the current Prime Minister Rishi Sunak faces a dilemma over how to respond to allegations of Chinese spying in Parliament. Hawks in his own party are pushing for the government to designate the superpower a strategic threat and revoke China's invitation to a key AI summit this autumn.
2: Elon Musk has called for an artificial intelligence regulator after a closed-door Senate summit of more than 20 technology and other leaders. Speaking to reporters after the meeting, the billionaire warned of the dangers of the technology.
3: You should think of the future as a series of of probabilities as opposed to certainties. Um, There there is some chance that above zero that AI will kill us all. I think it's low, but there's some chance.
2: Musk himself is a prominent AI investor. He was joined at the meeting, by, organised by Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. Other major tech CEOs included Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates.
1: The European Central Bank will decide later whether or not to deliver a 10th straight interest rate increase. Economists surveyed by Bloomberg are split almost 50-50 between a hold and a quarter point hike. Whilst markets believe that there's a 65% chance that the ECB will opt to raise rates. So the decision is due at 1.15pm London time with the ECB President Christine Lagarde due to speak to media half an hour later. And we'll bring that to you live here on Bloomberg.
2: The UK housing market is continuing to slow with prices in August falling at their fastest rate since 2009. The Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors says inquiries from new buyers are down and fewer homeowners are putting their properties on the market. Simon Rubinson from Ricks says rents are also being pushed up by a gap between demand and supply. When we ask our members up and down the country what they think will happen to rents going forward, they say they're going up. So it's really almost a reverse situation of what we're seeing in the sales market. The survey also highlights the growing toll being taken by the steep rise in interest rates delivered by the Bank of England in its bid to tame inflation. Karen, I was about to ask if you're looking for a new job and I realised how passive aggressive that would sound <laughs> if I said it out loud. Uh, Let me yeah. explain. Let me yes, explain. Go on. So we had been perhaps you may have seen the stories around the internet about how uh, Gannett Media Group in the US was recruiting a Taylor Swift reporter. Right. Well, this one, which I thought might be more up your street, is they're also looking for a Beyonce reporter now oh, uh, yes. for USA Today and the Tennessee. And so this is, of course, part of why these artists are such a massive impact, as we've been talking about on this programme, on the economy, is their tours, as well as big ticket prices involve huge spends on things like hotels, people are travelling to see these artists perform as well they're seen now as being important enough to have their own dedicated reporters from this major US media group as well so they are two separate jobs, you can't do both you have to pick whether you want to be a Taylor Swift reporter or a Beyonce reporter Uh Um, the pay, uh, they're fully remote jobs, you'll get the chance to travel internationally to follow the stars I'm saying saying you again (laughs) I'm not trying to get rid of you (laughs) and the pay is up to um, so between $21 an hour-ish and about $51 an hour. So it could add up mm. to as much as $100,000 at the highest end of the range based on a 40-hour work week.
1: Look, I'm afraid I have been a journalist for long enough that I I remember when, you know, being perhaps a fashion writer or being mm. somebody who followed celebrities or um, or pop stars was considered on the lighter end of journalism. But when you look at the data and the number, how much money people are spending, um, you know, to to follow that the the stars that they love the most, um, to the tune of 5.4 billion dollars in mm-hmm. the U.S. economy. Uh, actually, um, you know that this is very, very serious business, and uh, rightly so.
2: And look, there too. Artists that kind of epitomise how much artists need to be a full business model now. Yes. It's not just about making music. It's everything else that goes with it that manages to make them such a huge impact on the economy as well. So anyway, if you're looking for a new job this morning. <laughs> sorry, Caroline. No, um, I still
1: love my that's... own programme. Tempted as I may be to uh, to follow Taylor Swift around the world. Uh, good stuff. Yeah, that's a, it's a really nice piece that we've got on the Bloomberg Terminal uh, for you this morning. I um, also, though, want to, to talk about, well, another uh, a, a woman in uh, a prominent woman, uh, Theresa May, uh, the Britain's second female prime minister, who took over from David Cameron. She's got a new book out, all about her time in Number Ten. Of course, May's tenure between 2016 and 2019 it was dominated by battles over how to negotiate the UK's exit from the EU. Despite the former Home Secretary having campaigned against leaving, now Theresa May's been speaking to Bloomberg's Francine Lacroix. May discussed the hardline polarisation of US politics, saying that the Capitol Hill riot by a mob of Donald Trump supporters was a, quote, wake-up call, not just to the US but also to Western democracies, that political stability should not be taken for granted.
3: I think politics across the world has been changing in recent years. I say, I say in the book, I think we live in a more absolutist world, a sense of you're either 100% with me or 100% against me. I think there are some in politics who Um, find it difficult to accept the concept of compromise, whereas we know um, in politics, in business, in everyday life, sometimes you actually have to compromise. And I think there has been, um, in some senses, if you look at politics today, there's less respect than there has been in the past, perhaps a a, a coarser debate. I don't think that's good. And I think sometimes that puts young people off.
0: You were very deliberate and precise in your dealings with China. Should Rishi Sunak have have flown to China, actually, in the first year in office?
3: I think it's, look, the debate about China, is often seems to be in what I described earlier as those absolutist terms, that either you ignore China or you're completely sort of in with China. The answer is, of course, that it's right to be neither of those. Um, You can't ignore China, huge economic presence uh, across the world, although the Deputy Prime Minister identified it as the number one state-based threat to our economic security. But it's a huge presence economically for businesses, but also, of course, in terms of the, um, the way it has reached out across the world. Sometimes being able to take a position in countries because the West has not been there. So we should learn from that, I think. Um, but we have to balance. There are real human rights um, issues with China. You know, I'm involved in setting up a global commission on modern slavery. Um, if you look at the recent Global Slavery Index, it identified solar panels being created in China and labor exploitation behind those. So we have to look very carefully and businesses can make a huge difference in looking at their supply chains.
0: But at the moment, do you think we're too hard on China? And yet, Is there a danger that if you look at the template of what happened with Russia in the Cold War, we're repeating that with China
3: today? Well, I think what was interesting in, if you think about Russia in the Cold War, is in a sense both sides knew where the dividing lines were uh, and were able to, to, there was an existence that was able to go into the future with people understanding those dividing lines. Um, And I think maybe we haven't quite got to that point with China. Uh, And uh, it's very interesting if you look at somebody like uh, Kevin Rudd, former Australian Prime Minister, who's very knowledgeable on China. He sets out that as one of the potential ways forward. Um,
0: President Trump President Trump had given you a hard time. What do you think a, a second presidency, if he wins the next election, mean, means for the world?
3: Well, I'm not going to speculate on the result of, uh, of an American presidential election or indeed on the result of, of parties' candidates and who they choose for candidates. I mean, what I would say is that it was, um, I would say, a presidency like no other. Uh, when we saw President Trump in in uh, his uh, position uh, and it was a more unpredictable perhaps an uncertain presidency I think what we see now and in a sense the war in Ukraine has helped with this is is America again with its Western allies standing up for Western values
0: but do you see abuse of power in the US
3: what I worry about in the US is the polarization of politics the what I would say the very hard line polarization of politics. And uh, I, as many around the world uh, in democracies, were deeply concerned about the mob attack on the capital and what that meant for democracy. And I think it, it, in a sense, was a wake up call. Because in recent decades, I think those of us in the West have taken the view that liberal democracies were in the ascendancy, that this was an accepted way forward, and we almost didn't need to worry, we became complacent. Actually we have to fight, we have to work hard to protect democracies and to persuade younger generations in our own countries of the importance of democracy.
1: So that was Theresa May. Her book is The Abuse of Power. She was speaking to Bloomberg's Francine Lacroix. Look, I think the points that she makes around the UK's attitude to China is immensely important and also kind of democratic values. I think it's worth saying the response from China, you know, um, has been... um, quite pointed in terms of the UK's concerns around spying for example you know if you read uh, the china daily talking about how the UK media too frequently hypes up concerns around um intervening in investments that China is making in the UK or in these kind of claims around spying, the attitude in China is much more dubious.
2: Mm, Indeed, and that's interesting to hear Theresa May's view on that as well. Uh, Let's turn to a different story now in the boom in private credit markets. used to be a niche area but rising interest rate environment has turned it into a one and a half trillion dollar market and everyone wants a slice of it. That has caused a wave of consolidation in the space as big players are trying to get bigger and smaller firms want to remain in the game. Joining us now to discuss is our asset management reporter, Lucia Giftopoulou. Lucia, good morning to you. M&A and private credit is a hot market right now. Why?
4: Well, private credit has become very popular in general because of the rise in interest rates, the banks are not lending as much anymore and you can charge very high fees for these products. So a lot of people who were not in this space before want to get in and they're trying to get in by acquisition, by buying other smaller players do the job for them.
1: So, who is buying?
4: Well, right now, M&A is mainly driven by the big traditional asset managers who had nothing to do with this before and are slightly late to the party. So, we see a lot of these a lot of these guys just trying to find kind of a suitable private credit business to buy, and they've been driving acquisition this way. We speak to consultants; they they say, well, you know. M&A is a private credit game right now, mainly because of them. But, but then you also have the established players like Ares, Apollo and Octree, and these, they would also be looking to buy kind of more high quality stuff because they're always on the lookout for, for good deals. And there's also a sense that the big guys may want to try and get bigger before the banks decide to come back in and start lending again.
2: And on the other side, why do the smaller private credit firms want to sell?
4: Well, you know, several reasons, but mainly they find it a lot harder to raise money, so they can't compete as much with the bigger players. But the current environment is kind of favoring the more established players. So investors want to go to the to the, to the firms that have a longer track record, that have experience with a downturn, and more resources to deal with it. If you know, if a recession finally comes. So the small, the small firms, they can't raise as much money, and as a result, they can't make as mm. many deals, and they can't pay for top talent as, as well as they could.
2: This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond.
1: Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts.
2: You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business App and Bloomberg.com.
1: Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepker.
2: And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news. You need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe.
0: From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies, from big tech to startups, will dominate?